Our Island Story, Chapter 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Kara Schallenberg. Our Island Story by H. E. Marshall. Chapter 5. The Story of a Warrior Queen. Although the Britons had lost their great general Caractacus, still they would not yield to the Roman tyrants. Soon another brave leader arose. This leader was a woman. Her name was Bodica, and she was a queen. She ruled over that part of the country which is now called Norfolk and Suffolk. As I said before, the Romans were a very greedy people. They wanted to take away the freedom of Britain, and make the island into a Roman province. They also wanted to get all the money and possessions which belonged to the Britons for themselves. The husband of Bodica knew how greedy the Romans were, and when he was about to die he became very sad. He was afraid that the Roman emperor would rob his wife and daughters of all their money, when he was no longer there to take care of them. So, to prevent this, he made the emperor a present of half of his money and lands, and gave the other half to his wife and children. Then he died happy, thinking that his dear ones would be left in peace. But the greedy Romans were not pleased with only half of the dead king's wealth. They wanted the whole, so they came and took it by force. Bodica was a very brave woman. She was not afraid of the Romans, and she tried to make them give back what they had stolen from her. Then these cruel, wicked men laughed at her, and because she was a woman and had, they thought, no one to protect her, they beat her with rods, and were rude to her daughters. But although the Romans were clever, they sometimes did stupid things. They thought very little of their own women, and they did not understand that many of the women of Britain were as brave and as wise as the men, and quite as difficult to conquer. After Bodica had been so cruelly and unjustly treated, she burned with anger against the Romans. Her heart was full only of thoughts of revenge. She called her people together, and, standing on a mound of earth, so that they could see and hear her, she made a speech to them. She told them first how shamefully the Romans had behaved to her, their queen. Then, like Caractacus, she reminded them how their forefathers had fought against Julius Caesar, and had driven the Romans away for a time at least. "'Is it not better to be poor and free than to have great wealth and be slaves?' she asked. "'And the Romans take not only our freedom but our wealth. They want to make us both slaves and beggars. Let us rise! Oh, brothers and sisters, let us rise and drive these robbers out of our land!' Let us kill them every one. Let us teach them that they are no better than hares and foxes, and no match for greyhounds. We will fight, and if we cannot conquer, then let us die, yes, every one of us, die rather than submit. Queen Bodica looked so beautiful and fierce, as she stood there, with her blue eyes flashing and her golden hair billowing round her in the wind, that the hearts of her people were filled with love for her, and anger against the Romans. As she spoke, fierce desires for revenge grew in them. They had hated their Roman conquerors before. Now the hatred became a madness. So, when Bodica had finished speaking, 
a cry of rage rose from the Britons. They beat upon their shields with their swords, and swore to avenge their queen, to fight and die for her and for their country. Then Bodica, leaning with one hand upon her spear, and lifting the other to heaven, prayed. She prayed to the goddess of war, and her prayer was as fierce as her speech, for she had never heard of a god who taught men to forgive their enemies. As she stood there praying, Bodica looked more beautiful than ever. Her proud head was thrown back, and the sun shone upon her lovely hair, and upon the golden band which bound her forehead. Her dark cloak, slipping from her shoulders, showed the splendid robe she wore beneath, and the thick and heavy chain of gold round her neck. At her feet knelt her daughters, sobbing with hope and fear. It was a grand and awful moment, and deep silence fell upon the warriors as they listened to the solemn words. Then with wild cries they marched forward to battle, forgetful of everything but revenge. The battles which followed were terrible indeed. The words of Queen Bodica had stirred the Britons until they were mad with thoughts of revenge and hopes of freedom. They gave no mercy, and they asked none. They utterly destroyed the towns of London and of St. Albans, or Verulamium, as it was then called, killing every one, man, woman, and child. Again and again the Romans were defeated, till it almost seemed as if the Britons really would succeed in driving them out of the country. Bodica herself led the soldiers, encouraging them with her brave words. "'It is better to die with honour than to live in slavery,' she said. "'I am a woman, but I would rather die than yield. Will you follow me, men?' And of course the men followed her gladly. At last the Roman leader was so downcast with his many defeats that he went himself to the British camp, bearing in his hand a green branch as a sign of peace. When Bodica was told that an ambassador from the Romans wished to speak to her, she replied proudly, "'My sword alone shall speak to the Romans.' And when the Roman leader asked for peace, she answered, "'You shall have peace, peace but no submission.' A British heart will choose death rather than lose liberty. There can be peace only if you promise to leave the country. Of course, the Romans would not promise to go away from Britain, so the war continued, and for a time the Britons triumphed. But their triumph did not last long. The Roman soldiers were better armed and better drilled than the British. There came a dark day when the Britons were utterly defeated, and many thousands were slain. When Bodica saw that all hope was gone, she called her daughters to her. "'My children,' she said sadly, as she took them by the hand and drew them towards her, "'my children, it has not pleased the gods of battle to deliver us from the power of the Romans, but there is yet one way of escape.' Tears were in her blue eyes as she kissed her daughters. She was no longer a queen of fury, but a loving mother. Then, taking a golden cup in her hands, "'Drink,' she said gently. The eldest daughter obeyed proudly and gladly, but the younger one was afraid. "'Must I, mother?' she asked timidly. 
"'Yes, dear one,' said Bodica gently. "'I, too, will drink, and we shall meet again.' When the Roman soldiers burst in upon them, they found the great queen dead, with her daughters in her arms. She had poisoned both herself and them, rather than that they should fall again into the hands of the Romans. End of chapter 5 Read by Kara Schellenberg www.kray.org On May 18, 2006 In Oceanside, California